welcome to the Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Shooter, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. My aim is to help everyday people understand science, not the science, and to use that understanding to make better choices for their health and well-being. Each episode, I'll be bringing my latest Substack post to you in audio form. For the full visual experience, including graphs, charts, images, and videos, view the accompanying post in my Empowered Substack. And now, let's dive in. Episode 96 of Bonds, Brawn, Brains and Blubber. Recently, my elderly and very tech-challenged mother asked me to order some of her favourite comfy undies, for my non-Australian audience, that's comfortable underwear, online to save her the bother of navigating the crowded local shopping centre on her walker. No worry, says I, and off I hop to the Bonds website. Generations of Australians have grown up wearing Bonds ever since George Bond began manufacturing underwear in the Sydney suburb of Camperdown in 1918. I cordially detest the overuse of the word iconic, but it does seem appropriate for a brand whose advertising avatar, Chesty Bond, a square-jawed, broad-shouldered, bulging, biceped bloke who epitomised the popular image of the rugged Australian male, became the star of a long-running and hugely popular cartoon series. Upon donning his Bond's athletic singlet, Chesty Bond transformed into a superhero who performed all manner of manly feats, including capturing Adolf Hitler and tying him up with his singlet. Given Bond's historical iconography, the images that greeted me when I visited the brand's website were quite shocking. Most of Bond's male underwear models, who are helpfully labelled with their he-him pronouns, are either gracile to the point of skinniness or frankly corpulent, and don't get me started on the man buns, or the gender-free range featuring bra tops for blokes. Unfortunately, Bond's handy-dandy gender-free size chart offers no guidance at all for choosing the right bra size for those who lack actual breasts. Anyway, Chesty Bonds is now Chunky Bonds, with his spare tyre cantilevered over his guy-front trunks. And while a higher proportion of Bond's female models have bodies that the typical girl or woman would aspire to, overweight models are also prominently featured. This issue isn't unique to Bonds, of course. Victoria's Secret has also famously attempted to revive its flagging sales by including overweight models in its lineup. Now, I'm all in favour of Bonds or any other clothing brand featuring models with a wide variety of healthy body types. Not all women have big breasts, a small waist and a thigh gap. Not all men have broad shoulders and washboard abs. There's a wide variety of human forms that are compatible with good health and are therefore viewed as attractive, and I'm all for representing these forms in advertising. But normalising and celebrating obesity is a different matter entirely. As I've written about in three previous articles on the harmful impact of obesity normalising so-called body positivity, those articles being Is the Health at Every Size Movement Helping or Hurting?, Larger Body, Shorter Life, and The Curious Case of Fat Activism and COVID, there is an abundant literature demonstrating that carrying excess body fat is bad for your physical health and psychological well-being. And a new study adds to the growing body of evidence, if you'll pardon the pun, that the larger your fat stores, the smaller your brain. A team of researchers conducted full-body magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI, scans on 10,001 US and Canadian men and women from a variety of ethnicities and aged between 18 and 90. They use deep learning algorithms, a type of artificial intelligence that teaches computers to imitate the way humans learn from experience. 
to quantify the volumes of 96 distinct regions of each participant's brain and the amounts of two types of fat in their abdominal region, subcutaneous, the superficial fat that lies just beneath the skin, and visceral, the fat that deposits around and intrudes into vital organs. I'll spare you the details of the complicated statistical analyses that they performed to identify and quantify relationships between subcutaneous fat, visceral fat, and brain volumes. Although, as always, I encourage you to read the article for yourself, and I've linked it in the post accompanying this podcast episode. But after all the number crunching was done, here's what they found. The higher the volume of visceral fat, the lower the volumes of both grey and white matter in the brain. That is, fatter body equals smaller brain. The negative correlation with visceral fat volume was more pronounced with grey matter, the part of the brain primarily responsible for thinking, remembering and processing emotions, than with white matter. Although women had a lower average volume of visceral fat than men, they had a greater decrease in brain volume with increased visceral fat. Visceral fat accumulation, in other words, is particularly hazardous to women's brains. The region of the brain that appeared most affected by visceral fat accumulation was the temporal lobe, which is highly associated with memory. The next most affected brain region was the frontal lobes, responsible for self-control, memory and emotional expression, followed by the cerebellum, which is involved in motor control and emotional processing, and then the parietal lobes, whose primary function is sensory processing, and the occipital lobe, which is involved in visual processing. Higher visceral fat was also associated with lower volume in the brain regions most associated with Alzheimer's disease, the hippocampus, posterior cingulate gyrus, and the precuneus, with women's brains being, once again, more adversely affected by excess visceral fat than men's brains. Subcutaneous abdominal fat was also inversely associated with brain volume, including in the regions associated with Alzheimer's disease. And contrary to some previous findings, the effect sizes were even larger than for visceral fat. The negative impact of visceral fat on grey matter volume, while evident in all age groups, was most pronounced in younger people. In participants aged between 20 and 39, the odds ratio of having lower total grey matter was 5.9 in those with the highest visceral fat volume. In those aged 40 to 59, the odds ratio was 5.4, and in 60 to 80-year-olds, it was 5.1. Why is excess abdominal fat so bad for the brain? The authors of this study draw on previous research demonstrating that body fat is pro-inflammatory and that obesity degrades the blood-brain barrier. The combination of these factors results in neuroinflammation, an inflammatory response within the brain or spinal cord, which drives the destruction of brain cells and the connections between them, and the accumulation of neurofibrillary tangles and amyloid plaques that characterize Alzheimer's disease. I've reproduced in the post accompanying this podcast episode a figure from the study showing the scans of two different 61-year-old women. And I'd really encourage you to take a look at this diagram in the post. I'll just talk you through it. The woman on the left has high abdominal fat accumulation, both subcutaneous and visceral. And you'll see on the MRI image the extensive infiltration of fat. It appears white on the scan. You can see that white not only under her skin, but right through her abdominal cavity. The woman on the right, on the other hand, has comparatively little abdominal fat. And you'll notice that her fat deposits are concentrated on her hips and thighs in the typical gynoid fat distribution pattern. You can also observe the much greater volumes of grey and white matter in the brain of the woman on the right, that's the woman with a lower abdominal fat volume, compared to the larger dark areas indicating brain atrophy in the woman on the left, the one with high subcutaneous and high visceral abdominal fat. 
After you've examined these images, take another look at the pudgy Bonds underwear models. I've included a link to the Bonds website in the post accompanying this podcast episode. Those bulges above their hips aren't adorable love handles. That doughy protuberance of the midsection isn't a cute little muffin top. Those are visible indicators of the poor state of the model's health. Harbingers are the painful future of premature cognitive decline and the heightened risk of Alzheimer's disease that awaits these individuals if they don't slim down and soon. I wonder what the cartoonist who brought taut torso chesty Bond to heroic life back in 1940 would think if they could see what the brand has resorted to, celebrating brain-shrinking obesity in the name of body positivity. The bottom line is this, if you're carrying excess fat in your belly region, whether it's just under the skin or wrapping itself around and intruding into your abdominal organs, you're accelerating the age-related shrinkage of your brain and putting yourself at increased risk of cognitive decline and Alzheimer's disease. And no amount of woke virtue signaling about diversity and inclusion will change this. As a side note, if you're wondering how to lose that belly fat, a randomized crossover trial of a plant-based diet versus the much-touted Mediterranean diet found that overall weight loss, fat loss, and visceral fat loss were significantly greater on the plant-based diet, and I've reproduced a chart from that study in the post accompanying this podcast episode. The low-fat plant-based diet led to greater reductions in body weight by a total of 6 kilos, fat mass by 3.4 kilos, and visceral fat by 315 cubic centimeters than the Mediterranean diet. I did end up buying my mum her favourite Bonds undies, but next time I'll be looking for a brand that doesn't glorify ill health to burnish its woke credentials. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials and make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.